Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of True Crime on Easy Street. This is part three of three. We are we are tying this up in a bow this week, right? Yes. This a, is it. A bloody red bow. But this is we're this will be the last time. No, it won't be the last time you have to hear us talk about the Golden State Killer. We'll probably mention this in other episodes, but this is part three of three. So if you've not listened to part one and two, you need to back up. Yeah, we'll be here in an hour and a half when you get back. Yeah, you, you need have, to back up and listen. You have screwed this up. Yeah, listen to part one, listen to part two, and then pick us up here with part three. I'm just glad to hear you speaking. I know. I, did, I wasn't sure if you did anything on this podcast except sit around and drink coffee. That's all I do now. Well- but now next week is your got, bit, right? Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the big chair next big week. Big chair but next I, week. But this, this, but I this can't say the what whole month of October so far, I have sat and drank coffee and listened to you do all the research. And today, Katie has done all the research. Yep. Uh, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. Uh, but my name is Kelly Turner, and I'm not a doctor. I'm Katie Givens. I'm not a lawyer. My name is Scott Wright. I am the resident mediocre journalist. Yes, you are. And you have done a very mediocre job. Thank you. (laughs) No, you've done it. You guys have done a great job. I'm ready to hear how we caught the Golden State killer, Joseph James Mm D'Angelo. So take it away. So in June of 2020, Joseph James D'Angelo pleaded guilty to 13 murders and nearly 50 rapes between 1975 and 1986. 50 rapes. For two years after his arrest in April of 2018, D'Angelo had said almost nothing to anyone about his crimes. On that day in court when he took responsibility for his actions, ultimately, he still didn't really have much to say. Just the word, guilty. Over and over and over as the charges were read, he was asked to enter a plea. He said just enough. He said just enough to avoid the death penalty, and that was all. Just guilty. So his lawyers have advised him to plead guilty to all this because of the evidence. The all they overwhelming can do evidence. at this point is keep him out of the room where they stick you with a needle and kill you. Yeah, they... They're trying to save his life. Yeah. And which is what you do as a defense attorney. When you're not going to hold that against them. When, you're, when, you're, when you have no other option. But they're giving him something that he did not give to how many people? Uh, all told, D'Angelo admitted to harming 87 victims in 53 separate crimes, spanning 11 counties in California over 400 miles from North Central California to Southern California. I always wondered if D'Angelo, even though he wasn't a cop anymore, stayed up to date on his own uh, about new law enforcement techniques and technologies and knew in 1986 that he was probably already caught when he committed his last crime, uh, in a sense, because all of that DNA evidence he had left behind was about to become the thing that ended up getting him caught. And when you commit as many offenses as he has... You've left DNA. Oh, yeah. You've left it far and wide. You've left it high and low. Every one of those Ugh, murders. God, so all over the Southern state of California. California. Not the rape. The rapes, the, the, the statute of limitations is passed on the rapes. And that is so, it really should It's only ever. the murders that he ended up pleading guilty to. Okay. And they, they finagled some of them into kidnapping charges. Okay. Which has no statute of limitations. The state of California has since changed their law. There is no longer a statute of limitations on rape in California. Okay. And as it should be. Yeah, it shouldn't be anywhere. Direct result. But like of we this talked man. about at the time in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you could get probation for raping a woman. Right. A lot of times, police departments didn't even investigate a rape if you did not know who raped you. Well, you if know. If you were raped by a stranger, they just threw it in the bottom of the pile and never got back to it. Rape kits went untested for years. <sighs> Rape was not a crime. Katie, what were you going to say? I was going to say back when like marital rape was not, I mean, you could not be prosecuted for that at all. Yeah, if you were married, you can't rape your wife Mm. or you couldn't according to the law at the time. So August of 1986, I looked this up this morning, was the very first time that DNA fingerprinting was used to identify a criminal. It was the rape and strangulation of a young girl in England. And I'll bet you that it made the news. 
I bet you Since it was the first time that it happened. And I'll bet you Joseph D'Angelo had a subscription to the local paper, the Sacramento Bee, and read it. I bet he saw that. And he's 41 years old in 1986. First of all, he's too old to fucking hop fences anymore and escape on 10-speed bikes and run away in the dark. Going to be a little more difficult in your 40s. He's probably a little heavy so set. He, that's too. when he quit. Yeah. yeah I'm all sure those, all yeah, those snacks. Yeah. Junk food Joey. You know, he's put on a few pounds by the time he's 41, right? I mean, As don't we do. all? As right? you do. Yeah. Um, it was 11 years after the death of Janelle Cruz in May of 86. Now we're in September of 1997. A newly formed multi jurisdictional task force investigating unsolved homicides in California discovered that evidence pointed pretty clearly to the fact that all of those murders in Southern California were committed by the same person. So they're linking all of that together. All Mm -hmm. linked together. We're skipping a lot of details. If you want to learn a lot more about this, there's a seven-part documentary series that I found on YouTube. It was uh, produced by Headline News. Okay. Watch it. All right. I'm going to do that. Most of what I'm telling you came from that because that's it's my, the best source that I found. That's everybody's homework. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Got right it. in next week. Uh, two years later, in January of 1999, DNA evidence confirmed what some of those investigators knew deep down in their fucking bones 20 years before. The MO pointed to it all being the same guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the DNA found in 1999 that the same guy who killed Lyman and Charlene Smith had also killed Keith and Patty Harrington, Manuela Wethune, and Janelle Cruz. Okay. Those, all of those murders in Southern California that we talked about last week in part two. So it's a slow going puzzle, but they are putting those pieces together. Yes. 20 months later, that same DNA, when technology caught up in Sacramento County, was used to prove that the East Area Rapist was also the original Night Stalker. And we haven't said that term, but I'm going to explain it to you quickly. You said it in part one. I did, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So the, the, the Night Stalker was Richard Ramirez, yes. who had committed his crimes, 13 murders, several sexual assaults between the summer of 84 and 85. Mm-hmm. So when this DNA evidence started to come to light in the late 90s and early 2000s, there was one police investigator who told a reporter, our guy was the original Night Stalker. He was because of timing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that stuck in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And so for a time... The East Area Rapist, E-A-R, mm-hmm. original Night Stalker, O-N-S, Ear Ons, this guy was called. Not a very catchy moniker. No. If you're trying to drum up publicity, trying to find out who committed these crimes. Fast forward to 2013, and that is when late crime blogger Michelle McNamara, in her blog, she found out about these cases, and she wanted to shine the spotlight on it because it had remained unsolved for all of those years. Mm -hmm. She coined the phrase, the golden state killer. And then she wrote the book. I'll be gone in the dark to shine the spotlight again on him. Uh, But it's five years later after she coins the phrase, golden state killer before Joseph James D'Angelo, the golden state killer, the original night stalker, the East area rapist, the Visalia ransacker is finally caught. I remember that day, too. I remember mm-hmm. hearing about it. I had gotten into podcasts by then. Oh, really? I was, I was, I started listening to podcasts back in 2016 because I have such a long commute. Sure. And I remember listening to podcasts about the original Night Stalker, East Area Rapist, Golden State, you know, all of that. Really? All of that. And being terrified about this story. And then it was a big deal. A yes. Big deal yeah. when they named this man. Yeah. Uh, so, and unfortunately, it was two years after Michelle McNamara passed away. Yeah. She yes. died in April of 2016. And it was less than two months later in June of 2016 when the Sacramento County District Attorney's Office decided that they were going to create a task force to try and at last get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, and partly what they 
relied on was the publicity that had been supplied by, unfortunately, the death of Michelle McNamara. She died from a prescription drug overdose. Accidental, but, right? Yes, an accidental mm-hmm. prescription drug overdose. Yes. But she had been working on this case, and she died in April of 2016. Mm-hmm. And so she was in the news. She was married to stand-up comedian Patton Oswalt. Mm-hmm. So that was in the news for a while. So I'm assuming that... She was very key to keeping this case going and alive and getting that knowledge out to other people. Yeah. And so I would say she's very key to this task force being formed. Well, some people would say that she was the final victim of the Golden State Killer. Yes. Because she was obsessed with it to the point where she medicated to stay awake late at night and work on this thing. And Mm -hmm. she took too much of something. To sleep. And she went to sleep and she never woke up again. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, but that was in 2016. They rededicated themselves to trying to find out who this was. And it was at that point, they had the DNA, right? We've talked about in 99 and 01, they had the DNA. They don't know who the guy is, but they've got the DNA. And there's this investigator who had been working with Michelle McNamara. His name was uh, Paul Holes. He was a forensics investigator in Sacramento. He decided, hey, why don't I just put this DNA evidence on one of these uh, ancestry websites and you can't do it with 23andme or ancestry.com they have legal restrictions they don't cooperate with the police but jedmatch was a place where you just you, they don't test your dna you get your dna tested somewhere else and then you upload it to jedmatch willfully submit willfully submit it to jedmatch mm-hmm. and you can get connected to anybody so what paul holes did was he created a fake profile he called it an undercover profile Okay. And he uploaded the Golden State Killer's DNA. How about that? And it came back with what they were hoping for was a brother or a sister. Mm-hmm. Then it's easy. What they got instead were a couple of dozen hits, but it was second and third cousins. Hey, does anybody in this room know who their third cousins are? Of course not. Yes, I do. You do? I know mine. I don't, and most people don't, according to the research that I've done. I mean, that goes back, you know, that's... Yeah, I mean, I could see how... I mean, I could see where I could miss some, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Well, what they had to do in order to try to figure out who the Golden State Killer was, was reverse engineer 25 family trees going back to the 1820s. So they had to rebuild... They had to do it backwards. 25 family and trees. And find the common denominators. And, 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 you know, they had a few things that they knew they could plug in. Uh, the av- Somewhere around the age of the guy, mm-hmm. white male. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the descriptions from the, from the witnesses from back when he was the East Area Rapist. Mm-hmm. So they had some information. They could weed him out. And you're going to love it that two episodes ago you mentioned his piercing blue eyes. Mm. Because when they got down to six... It took them four months to get down to six people on their list. Wow. And apparently DNA uh, DNA technology is so sophisticated at this point that it can tell you that probably the color of your eyes and of those six, one had blue eyes. Oh my goodness. His name was Joseph James D'Angelo. They pulled his driver's license photograph. They staked him out for a week. They swabbed the underside of his door handle one day when he went to the store. And a couple of days later, he blew his nose into a tissue in the garbage. And it's legal to take that for DNA purposes in the state of California. Yes, it is. And when they ran that DNA, 100 fucking percent, Joseph James D'Angelo, they arrested the 72-year-old piece of shit in his front driveway Mm -hmm. on April the 24th, 2018. His last words before they stuffed him into the patrol car were, but I have a roast in the oven. Yeah, because, you know, it's, that food's very important to him. Yeah. We don't give a damn about your roast. Yeah. It's going to, hey, guess what? It's going to burn. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he did not get to enjoy that roast. But that's how they caught, finally. I mean, I, thank you guys for hanging around. For, what? That's for, some great work. A couple of episodes and a couple of cliffhangers to mm-hmm. get here. We thank you for sticking with us for this long. And how about this team of people building this every day? A second doing generation this? of police investigators who had technology. To those, those original guys were beating the streets. Yep. I've heard them tell stories about it. They didn't even have phones. If you had a, all of a sudden something happened and you needed to get 
in touch with the police station, you carried change in your pockets mm-hmm. so that you could run to the nearest payphone and call police headquarters and say, hey, call so-and-so, mm-hmm. send them here. Mm-hmm. You had to find a diner, somebody that had a public phone that you could use. Mm-hmm. One guy said, we had walkie-talkies, but 99% of the time, they were only good to throw at someone <laughs> yeah, because mm-hmm. they didn't work the way they were supposed to. Yeah. It was a different era of police investigation. I mean, my son has toy walkie-talkies that probably work a lot better than God, what they yeah. had. Yeah, yeah. And yeah absolutely. And I've got a watch on my wrist that is basically straight out of Star Trek. Yes. Which did <laughs> yeah. not exist in yeah. 1979. And what a... This, who was the guy who decided to upload the DNA? Paul, he was a, a forensics investigator with the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department. I believe his name is Paul Holes. Good for you, Paul. If, if you watch a documentary about how they caught the Golden State Killer, good looking guy, blue eyes, very well spoken. You'll know him when you see him. Mm-hmm. He explains it very succinctly without all the ums and ers and uhs that some people who are not used to being in front of a camera might exhibit. This guy's fantastic. You'll know him when you see him. He explains it very succinctly and intelligently and thoroughly. That's wonderful. He does a great job. And he worked directly with Michelle McNamara. He did. They worked together. And one last story about Paul Holes, and I'm going to turn it over to Katie so that she can tell us about the Alabama connection to this DNA profile sequence, because we have a case in Alabama that was solved similarly. Paul Holes, the day before he retired... They knew that it was Joseph James D'Angelo. The day before he retired. They, Paul Holes by himself just drove to his house, D'Angelo's house, parked across the street, and just sat there for a minute, hoping the guy would come outside. At least he could get a look at him. Mm-hmm. He considered possibly getting out of the car, knocking on the door and introducing himself and saying, hey, can I get a DNA sample? We just need to eliminate you as a suspect. But he was like... At that point, I pretty much knew it was him, and I didn't want him to freak out or kill me, kill himself, go on a rampage. Mm-hmm. So I bit my tongue, pulled away. The next day, I went into work, turned in my badge and my gun. Remained involved in the case, but no longer in an official capacity. Mm-hmm. That was Paul Hole's last day on the job. Wow, what a last day on the job. Yeah, it took him 25 years, and every bit of that time, he came along just as DNA technology had progressed to the point where we can have the kind of outcome that Katie's about to tell us about. So he drove into the neighborhood and sort of staked out this guy's house. Yes. Not unlike he had done so many people years ago. Yes. One final indignity. How about it? Ironic indignity mm-hmm. to the Golden State Killer. They staked him out. How about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's how the DNA thing worked out. That's how they caught the Golden State Killer. That is fascinating. Katie brings her shovel to work every Sunday when we do this. I'm sorry, Wednesday. Are we still trying not to tell people that we do this on Sunday and drop it on we Wednesday? We have given up all hope of that, Scott, because you just won't <laughs> shut up about it. Whatever anyway, day it is. Katie brings her shovel every week. She brought it this week. Katie, tell us what you found at the bottom of this hole. Shop Cherokee County first before you go out of town or shop online, Scott. Visit many retail businesses here in Cherokee County. And do you, you want to know why? Please tell me. Okay. They are faithful to support our local schools, our sports teams, our clubs, our community nonprofits, and more. So keeping your money here in the local economy, that's going to support all of that. Teresa and Joy do a great job at the Chamber. Amazon sucks. Shop local. Absolutely agree. (laughs) Local businesses provide jobs for you and your neighbors. So brought to you by the Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce, shop local. I've seen you try to go out of town, Scott, and I'm not going to stand for it anymore. I don't trust myself to drive out of town. You better take your tail to the local shops from now on. Do you understand me? I will do a much better job of shopping locally. (laughs) Thank you for the Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce being a sponsor of the show and reminding us all to shop local. Speaking of payphones and different eras of police work and dedicated investigators, we're going to go to the state of Alabama, where the three of us reside, and True Crime on Easy Street is located. The birthplace of True Crime on Easy Street. The birthplace of tacos. (laughs) And we're going to go to July 31st of 1999. We've got two high school seniors by the name of Tracy Hollett and J.B. Beasley. 
uh, two girls, they are headed home from J.B. Beasley's birthday party. They're about, like I said, they're about to start their senior year of high school, and they've got this big party of J.B.'s. She's turning 17. The girls, they get kind of lost on their way back home. And this is a time before, you know, Google Maps. We don't have the GPS Wait, in what our year phone. was this? 99? 99. Okay. Mm. The year I started kindergarten. They are having a hard time understanding the directions that they have been given probably from their parents. You know, their dad might have drew them a map or something on where to go, how to get back. So it's late at night and they stop at a convenience store in a town called Headland, Alabama, to make a phone call. There's these side-by-side phone booths at this convenience store. And they each call their parents, let them know that they're late. They had an 1130 curfew, so time was running out after the party. I remember doing that. Knew I was going to be late. Only way to call mom and tell her I was going to be 10 minutes late was to find a payphone mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. stop at a convenience store where I knew the guy working the register, hey, can I borrow the phone? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so Tracy, she gets in touch with her mom and they're talking and, you know, she's kind of like talking her into how to get home. And she said, it's a very normal conversation. The conversation ends with, I love you, mom. Mom says, I love you too, Tracy. And that's, that's it. Tracy's mom had worked as a nurse that day, so she fell asleep shortly after this phone call because it's late at night. So she's not waiting on her to get home. She knows she's going to, you know, she she's knows she's on the way home. away, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the girls did not make it home that night. And the next day, they are found inside the trunk of JB's car, mm. a black Mazda 929 on the side of Herring Avenue, about a block away from the Dale County Hospital. Mm. Both girls have been shot in the head, but there are no other signs of foul play found at the time. All their possessions are still on them. It doesn't appear that they were robbed. They have their purses, their jewelry, their knickknacks. The only thing missing is the keys to the car. And the keys to the car had a keychain on them that said, hard to get. All capital letters with the number two, hard to get. Okay. We all remember those keychains. Sure. Had, you know, the ridiculous sayings on them. Mm Mm-hmm. State forensic experts say at the time that neither girl had been raped. But more than two months later, these same forensic experts come back and they say that they have found semen on JB's bra, her panties, and her skin. She was, mm-hmm. They found no other evidence of an okay. actual assault. Mm-hmm. The investigation, they conduct more than 500 interviews for this case. Wow. And, these, and this is, what is this a, what county is this? Dale County. Dale County, okay. They are, these forensic experts are working overtime. They're testing DNA of more than 70 potential suspects. They don't get any hits. They arrest one guy. His name is Johnny William Barentine, and he implicates himself. He puts himself at the scene of the crime during an interview, and he's, you know, basically saying. He's, so he's at the convenience store. He. Or he's at the he's scene where, of wherever the crime wherever, took place. Yeah, wherever okay. the car is found. He later tells police that he faked these stories in an attempt to get the reward money that was promised at the time. There was a, a reward out for information associated with the crime. He thought he, he could put himself at the crime scene and collect this reward money. Well, we've all heard about false confessions. The Whoopsie. Beatrice Six comes to mind. Well, but this guy's trying to... The motivation is... Yeah. He's just trying to get the reward money, yeah. so he accidentally implicates himself. Yes, Kelly. So he doesn't stupid technically is as stupid. What does. the heck? Yeah. Yeah, okay, no. okay. Yeah, but he's later right. cleared because his DNA does not match. Well, yeah, because okay, yeah, the evidence doesn't back up mm-hmm. the fact that he did it. Yeah, and he and he tells him, you know, I just I faked the story. And then did he? What? I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. Kelly has some questions. Did he? Did he think? <laughs> That he was going to get the money and then, and then what? I'm, I'm trying to figure Kelly, out. Kelly, he's a bone dry idiot in Dale County, Alabama. Okay, don't, okay. Don't, don't just, blow a gasket trying to figure this I'm out. Just tr- okay, you're I'm just so gonna, sorry. You're just going to damage your brain. I'm sorry. Like I said, he didn't exactly admit <laughs> to committing the crime. Okay. He just put okay, himself, he put himself yeah. at the But he the put crime himself scene. there, so now he's suspect number one. Yeah, he said that, that they were there. I get it. Yeah. They were there trying to help. At the crime scene. He was trying to help them. He was trying to help the police solve the case. 
Okay. All right, it's, dude. Because this is he's put himself at the crime scene okay. after the murders, yeah, technically. Yeah. So they rule him out, mm-hmm. though, using DNA evidence. Yes. Okay. And he, But he was still considered a suspect for a long time. They thought, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. different. Sure. That makes you're sense. You're going to admit to being there. I mean, they, they can't really sense. just mark you right off mm-hmm. the list, right? Mm-hmm. But the case goes cold for almost 20 years. Oh. 20 years. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Ozark Police Chief Marlowe's Walker is still very interested in this case come 2018. So we're mm-hmm. he, we're 19 years. In. I imagine it's one of those cases that is still bothers police and investigators. They have those. You know, you talk to them and they will have those cases yeah. that just keep them up at night yeah, the, and the stay folks, in the back of their mind. Yeah, the folks yeah. in the Golden State Killer said the same thing. And, and Katie, I'm wondering, uh, was there anything in particular that happened in 2018 that drew this sheriff's attention about the potential of a new way to solve the crime? Well, he had made it his goal to solve this case by its 20th anniversary. He was like, we cannot let it go 20 years okay. Okay. and right. not Admirable. find out what happened to these bright 17-year-old girls who just had their whole future in front of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who are citizens of our county. Our job is to serve and protect. And we didn't. We've so let's got figure to out figure how this out. This, yeah. Okay. And then he hears about how the Golden State killer case was cracked. Interesting. Dun, dun, dun. And his wheels start turning. Of course they did. Because he's got DNA. Mm-hmm. And in August of 2018, he begins this process. Following the Golden State Killer arrest, he sends the DNA evidence from the girls' murders to this lab called Paragon. Mm -hmm. And Paragon traditionally used its genetic testing to help connect family members, like Scott had mentioned. And this lab uploads into GEDmatch. GEDmatch, okay. Okay. And so... And that's just a general online database. They mm -hmm. don't test your DNA, but if you have your DNA profile and you want to upload it yes they will help you connect to other things and that way anybody else who uploads to this database you can find relatives you can you can find all these things and so investigators are learning to use this to solve crimes right yes because paragon had originally been used just for the genetic genealogy to connect the family members but they quickly moved into law enforcement realm so this is what they do okay they, oh, they made that their specialty. Yes. Okay. They, um, Good for them. They upload this mm-hmm. DNA to GEDmatch to help solve these crimes. So you know crimes. when you submit DNA to Paragon what they do. You know that going in. Because yeah. like you said, 23andMe, the, uh, what was the other one that you said? Ancestry.com. Uh, Ancestry. They don't upload your information into right. this database. It's private. It's private. Yeah. But you can take your information and upload it. After you it. get it back, you can do whatever mm-hmm. you want with it. It's your information. And, I, and just to mention, I, I've been waving this at you guys for a while now. I've got this little box that came in the mail. I'm going to do the, the DNA thing. Uh, well, I Katie hope you... Katie said she'd uh, already done it. I've done 23 me. I hope you've not committed a crime. Uh, if I did, I don't remember it. Uh, but we're gonna find out. That's another story for another time. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Just I did it because we were talking about all this DNA stuff, mm-hmm. and I got it in the mail a couple of weeks ago. But I wanted to show it to you guys before I send it off. So I'm gonna do this, and you just swab the inside of your cheek and put it into a little tube, and you send it off. And a few weeks later, um, you get your DNA profile back. And then, like Katie said, if I want to go to GEDmatch and upload it, you can. I can do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'll I'll I will keep you guys posted. Or I will disappear completely. <laughs> so if you never hear from me again, I got some bad news in the mail from uh, from my DNA profile. To be continued yes. for that. Okay. So Paragon in 2018 had found matches in 20 out of 100 cases they were working. And in November of 2018, they were working on 200 cases and 55% of those cases had possible leads. Oh, wow. So they're wow. doing so, incredible work. Right. Yes, that's awesome. After receiving the evidence from the Ozark Police Department, they devised a list of possible matches. And one of the names on the list just jumped out at Walker and the other investigators. And this man's name was Coley McCraney. Okay. McCraney was 45 at the time. Uh, he would have been about 24-ish at the time of, of the crime. Oh, yeah, 20 okay. years. I forgot for a second. Okay. He was a truck driver who spent some time in the military. He was in the Air Force from... 93 to 97. Sounds a lot like some 
Yeah. Nobody else we that, just talked that about. military mm-hmm. connection mm-hmm. seems to be a, a common denominator in a lot of the cases that we talk about. In 2018, he had three children and several grandchildren at this point. He went in 1998, a year before the murders took place, he had went through a divorce. He remarried soon after the time that those murders had taken place. In 99, he did not live far from where the girls' bodies were found. But most all of his life, he lived a pretty quiet life in Dothan, Alabama. Hmm. He founded a nonprofit religious ministry called Spirit and Truth Lifeline Ministries. And what, what does this do? It's, it's more of like a church situation, I think, from okay. what I could find. Because he has his own church. Where he preaches. He has oh. his, uh, he's, he's his own pastor. Yes. Okay. But he's led a crime-free, low-profile life until he's taken into custody during a routine traffic stop. I was going to say, so did Joseph James D'Angelo for 42 fucking years. Wow. They then collect, they arrested him to collect a DNA sample, and they sent it to Paragon, and he is a match. Ding. Oh, my goodness. So he is charged with one count of rape and five counts of capital murder. Now, that was confusing to me, so I I looked into it. One charge is for each of the girls' deaths, so there's two charges of capital capital murder there. Okay. One charge is because the murder was committed during the course of a rape. Uh, Okay. okay. All right. One charge is- Extenuating factors. One charge is because two or more people were murdered. At the same time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And one charge is because the murder was committed with a deadly weapon inside a vehicle. Oh, a, a whole nother charge for that. Yep. I did not know that. Okay. Oh, that hey, way to go, Alabama legislature. Hey. They get so much wrong. It's nice to hear that they got that one right. They got that one right. Okay. So that is five counts of capital murder, one count of rape. And that they say that, you know, they plan to seek the death penalty. Mm-hmm. And he's still in custody. So... The trial was set for August 15th of 2022, so just a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I didn't realize this case was this timely. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they can't find enough qualified jurors for the case. So the last jury call they had, only 75 people showed up, which sounds like a lot, but apparently is not, because that was only 31% of the people that were called. That's about the standard uh, uh, turnout for a local election in an off year. I mean, if yeah, you but, get 30%, that's considered Yeah, but acceptable. when you're called to jury, jury duty, duty, that's a whole nother level. I, I, mean, I agree. I mean, obviously, it's a crime the, not the to sheriff. In, yeah, you have yeah. to show up. You don't have to show up and vote. Yeah, the sheriff in Dale County has some work to do to get a jury. So, so where are we, Katie? Well, when only 75 people show up, most of them know about this. It was a very high profile arrest, of Change course. Change of venue. Well, they need 15 jurors, and they, they couldn't get there. Once they were, at the end of selections, they weren't left with enough people. So the tr- and, you know, the wheels of justice turn slow, so the next yes. time that this can come up for trial again is going to be 2023. But he's going to sit in jail. Well, that's the hope. Uh-oh. The, they're talking about, like Scott said, change of venue. That has been thrown around, but the judge did not mention it this last time when they went through jury selection and there wasn't enough. Jurors, he he just said that their goal is to... Sounds like he's not up for election this year. Well, the defense wants the judge to prevent jurors from considering any evidence collected from the car where the bodies were found because the car has been crushed and is no longer available. And so it'll that prevent... sounds reasonable. It'll prevent the def- defense from inspecting it. That was a big thing going back and forth um, Do with the judge. Do we need anything other than the DNA evidence of the semen that was left on one of the girl's dead bodies that matches the guy who's in jail right fucking now? You wouldn't well, think. But, you wouldn't think, but you could also say, yeah, we met up and uh, things happened and then I left her on, going on her merry way. Good luck with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. know what you're saying, yeah. but good luck with that. Yeah, true. Well, an alternate theory on this was provided by a woman named Rena Crum, who claimed that police were involved in these killings. She claimed that police higher-ups had covered up an officer's involvement in the killings by placing, either by placing this DNA evidence or by just misusing it when they, you know, oh, it really came back as a match for someone else, but they've changed the result kind of thing. Oh, I was thinking that you you were going on, that's why there was the... 
of where the evidence was found. It was well, just kind of around on that her. could be another place, it wasn't, another reason too. Right, right. Where you would typically find yeah. rape DNA. And evidence. it wasn't immediately spoken about. It was two months later that they came out and said, you know, that the semen mm-hmm. was found. It wasn't because mm. they originally said she was not raped. Mm-hmm. And then they said two months later, okay. semen's found. Oh, shit. Plot twist. Mm-hmm. Well, this fueled a social media frenzy. I'm sure it did. Several years before the DNA evidence came out is when she's come out with this conspiracy theory. Okay. The allegations blew up on a true on a true crime website, and then that you know they matriculate through all the true crime websites and oh, yeah. and social media, and it led to a defamation lawsuit against Crumb and others. Uh, it, that lawsuit was dismissed in 2018 because she filed bankruptcy. She's an online blogger, so she has filed bankruptcy in 2018. Hey, note to self. She recanted her allegations as she testified during a hearing for McCraney. The defense has, is bringing her in for the, to, to help their case out. So does she know this guy? Does she know McCraney? No, or? but she's claiming, you know, she has claimed two years before his DNA evidence has popped up that somebody else has done this. But then, the poli- what is she saying now that the DNA has well, said it's him? Exactly. So that's what they want. Her, they, they, they bring her in for her testimony and hope that this can clear their client. Mm-hmm. Like that what she has to say has some merit to it. And That it, sounds like alternate facts to me. But... After repeatedly saying she couldn't recall certain things, like she's questioned, questioned, and she keeps saying, I can't recall. I, I, I don't remember. I, I can't recall. Oh. She just goes, I lied. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's what I meant when I said alternate facts. Oh, my goodness. That's the other uh, translation. She just of said, I lied. Yep. Just in, I lied. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Jones is in a world of shit for doing that on his podcast. Goodness me. Yeah. And defense attorney David Harrison suggests that she was threatened to change her story, and that's why she's now saying that she lied. That oh. these police officers that she's claiming were involved have threatened her, and that's why she's changed her story. Oh, my goodness. But he, it, but are they bringing any evidence of this? I mean, we, no, we can say, you know, you can say a lot of things. Yeah, there's sure. no, there's no... But, but what does your evidence tell you? Your evidence says the DNA has matched to, you know, McCraney. And he is in custody. Yeah. He is in custody. Okay. Now, I, I would just make a plea to this area. Please, if you are called for jury duty, please show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that at least this, this can be brought to trial. We're, we're obviously, you know, the DNA is pointing to this guy, but he still gets his day in court. He still gets a fair, fair trial. trial. That's how the judicial system works here in this Absolutely. country. Absolutely. And and that can't happen mm-hmm. if you don't show up for jury duty. And they're, they're petitioning. They want him out on bond. He wants to be out mm-hmm. and awaiting his trial. And that's the big fight right now. Is And I could, I mean, gosh, I mean, you can kind of see that. I mean, he's lived in that area for all of these years, but I guess they're they're going to say he would be a flight risk. Is he a flight risk? I mean, yeah, uh, uh, snag his passport. Well, mm-hmm. make him stay in the state. Maybe put an ankle monitor. I on mean, he's him. lived there for years and years, his whole life. Yeah, uh, but now with this new evidence, it, I don't know. I, I don't know how that would work. This that's just speculation. Yeah, sure, but I'm sure they're wanting the prosecution is wanting to keep him locked up because they're not. They don't want yeah. him I mean, th- hightailing it out of there. Again. What if he does it again? Yeah, also danger to society, right. but has it, have, have they been able yeah. to tie him to any other crimes no. since then? And it that is like so, he's one and done. That is so strange, and that is very uncommon. Yeah. You it know, just uncommon. looking at, the, and John Douglas would say the same. Yes. You, you've read his books, you've heard what he's saying, but this guy needs his day in court, so people got to show up for jury duty. Yeah. A little bit more about Rena Crum is she was at one time a volunteer with the Ozark Police Department. Uh huh. So that's kind of Ozark, where Ozark. That's down near Auburn. That's in the right. Isn't Ozark in the general vicinity of Auburn, which is down below Montgomery? It's it's south. That's all I know about. Yeah. You're the you're, you're the, an Auburn graduate. I'm an Auburn graduate. Remember, I've never been to Ozark. You don't. I don't remember. Know. I think you go through or, Ozark on the way to the beach, don't you? That Maybe sounds sometimes. right. It's down in the yeah. south. I, I would say more near Dothan. Hey, yeah, you know that's, it is near Auburn. Dothan. If you're out there and you want to know, Google no, it. We it, did not. It yeah. is near, no, it's near Dothan because okay. a lot of the stuff happens in Dothan. Oh, yeah, Dothan. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, And she received a suspended sentence 
and a $250 fine in 2016 after being convicted of harassing a sister of J.B. Beasley, one of our victims. Well, why is she harassing this woman? Obviously, is, is she very into this. For her, yeah, I didn't, she seems I to be find... very passionate about this, but she does not know this man. No, she's not. Yeah, she she doesn't. Does she, she have got an involved axe to grind with the police department? Maybe it's, that's how it seems because she was once a volunteer there. Uh, she got involved in this case before this man ever came into the picture. Okay, so yeah, case. okay, that's right. You keep reminding me of that, yeah. and I keep no, no. bypassing that. Sorry, yes. but his name was not even brought to light when she started with her exactly. theories and blogging and mm-hmm. things like that. Yes. Okay. okay, exactly. Wow. So. The Post-Herald here in Cherokee County is a uh, sponsor of True Crime on Easy Street, and we are conducting a subscription drive. What we want you to do is subscribe to the paper because in December, when the bowl matchups come out, we're going to put an entry list in the paper, and only subscribers to the Post-Herald are eligible to win a $500 first place prize. You pick the most bowl game winners, you get 500 bucks. College football bowl games. College football bowl games. All right, so step one, subscribe to the Post-Herald. Call 256-927-4476 to subscribe to the paper for as little as $20 a year, depending on your zip code. If you're right here in town, it's 20 bucks. All right. That sounds wonderful. We have two theories on this. One is, you know, DNA match that has come about after Gold State Killer was caught and it he's seems admitted. like they had a solid theory about how to solve the case. And it, it was a golden state case that mm-hmm. allowed them to go, Hey, wait a minute, we've got this evidence. Let's run it up the board, mm-hmm. run it up the flagpole and see what happens. And this came back. But McCraney is, you know, not doing what Joseph James D'Angelo did. And he's not admitting to these right. crimes. Yeah. He is, you know, I, you know, I did not do hey, this. It wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Wasn't me. So he is, he's not, he's adamant on he's his saying, innocence. I am innocent. And there's a, and there, he's a black man, so there's a racial component here. These are two white women that were murdered okay. and a black man suspect, you know, that they're holding in jail for, you know, he's been there, you know, through COVID and everything, and they can't get this trial going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a lot of... At what oh. point do, uh, is, it the, is it the Fourth Amendment or the Fifth Amendment, uh, the right to a speedy jury trial? At what point does his defense say, wait a minute, yeah, you maybe. can't even seat a fucking jury let my guy out. You figure out what the hell's wrong with your legal system. Yeah, I mean, That's it's not, not my guy's fault. You're violating his you're, constitutional you're rights. You're right. It's not his fault that people no. won't show up for At jury. At some point, you got to do that. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, if you've so. got a good defense attorney. I would think and so. And a judge that's not putting his thumb on the scale, and I'm not accusing anybody of doing that, but mm-hmm. I mean, if the judge won't this even. This is a mess. I mean, it really it sounds is. sounds like a hot mess. Yeah. I, yeah, I watched a few uh, videos from the, the local news there. There were several things, and yeah. Did just, they use the phrase hot mess? Uh, no, not quite. It was very short clips, well, but it... They, let's email them. That mm-hmm. might be the phrase they're looking for. No. It would show him walking from court. You know, he's, mm-hmm. you know, nice-looking man in a suit. You right. know, Sure. And they're already, average man. they're already running, what, ex- COVID put the court systems, what, a year behind at least? About two. Least. About two years yeah. behind. So they're right. already running behind for that. And, you know, going back to this... People not showing up for jury duty. And yeah, because the, he's uh, arrested in 2018, and he's just now. And it's it is 2022. 2022. Yeah. I mean, 2022 is coming to a close very yeah, quickly. We're, yeah, we're wrapping that up pretty soon. And uh, just to mention the COVID thing, a lot of those, uh, if you go online and you look at what happened after D'Angelo was arrested, you know, that was in April of 18, and then a lot of his uh, court stuff took place in... 19 and 20 uh-huh. and you yeah because see, i remember seeing him sitting there with a the shield he's on. got the shield mm-hmm. and the mask and when they go to the uh, to the sentencing phase they, it's not in a courtroom it's like in a gymnasium and everybody's all spread out and the mm-hmm. media's spread out mm-hmm. in the in the lobby area on the floor of the basketball court so yeah just a, a lot of and he's trying he's doing his best to look really frail in that yeah. That wheelchair. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to get off from Katie's story, but I mean, no, just to, that's, to mention COVID. No, but that's, that's, but that's what that's started what that this. to the legal system. But that's what started this discussion of this Alabama case, yeah. this, this DNA evidence of the Golden State Killer. And mm-hmm. he because he pleaded guilty, his stuff went a little faster. Certainly changed the way that police departments, just another uh, 
piece, another tool in the toolbox for police to try and figure out the way somebody did something. But as Kelly just, uh, as Katie just told us today, it's still not foolproof because if the guy says, wait a damn minute, mm-hmm. I wasn't there. I didn't do this. And he's adamant how, about it. I mean, it. how do you, I'm, you know, at some point we have to decide, I mean, what if they had his DNA in a tube from something he'd been accused of five years before? I don't know. And he can prove he wasn't there that night. Then we've got a problem because somebody planted that evidence. And I'm not saying Uh, that happened. And you're kind of getting into the making a murderer type stuff. If you're not seeing that documentary, you can watch that and (sighs) see what we're talking about. Parts one and two. You can kind of see um, that's kind of what they were trying to say. Unfortunately, it is not beyond a police department to try and make a case where none exists. There's another documentary on Netflix called an innocent man. Mm-hmm. But, but as far as we know, in. this particular police department. Yeah. Sorry. I'm did, down in the Do they have a history of sorry. this? They have a history of, of, you know, crooked behavior or, I mean, it sounds like to Not me, he that, said this, the sheriff wanted to solve this. Yeah. He had an ax to grind, but what he did was he didn't, he, he submitted the information to this lab but the, I guess the conspiracy theorists are saying that the information he submitted was not accurate. That was something that they had planted at the crime scene, or that's what or they're they trying, had, to, trying to, ha- to say. They, yeah, because their conspiracies came before, so mm-hmm. I guess they're trying now just to explain away. Well, you know, that is something that a, you know, if a cop's trying to cover it up, of course they're going to plant it on someone else. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. Th- these police officers, they when they get this evidence back, they're shocked at the results of this man because they all know him. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's a he's in the community. They're right. like, not not McCray, not this guy. Yeah, yeah. So they're not wanting to believe it, right? Exactly. So it's not like you know it was just some. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how common this, criminal. That I'm not exactly sure how this works, but could they? You know, I know they're they're getting their evidence from stored evidence that's boxed up, but right. at the time of this crime. Would they have known enough to to plant evidence like that? Uh, pure because speculation. We in nineteen ninety nine, we weren't really doing a lot of that. Right. Certainly not in uh not southern, on the level today. Not in southern counties. Not in counties in southern Alabama. Mm-hmm. I mean, that technology had probably not progressed to those areas yet. Maybe in Birmingham and Huntsville and mm. Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Mobile, but wow. not in Dale County down in the Ozark Dothan area. But I just you I don't think, know. I but don't, I don't know. Yeah. Because yeah, the whole defense is someone else did this. Mm-hmm. It's not really like it's you know I just don't know how you prove that if you're the defense attorney and the prosecution has DNA evidence that puts your I just I don't get client yeah, it's, it's, at the scene. Mm-hmm. I don't I know like what I've you do sp- at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the hole in the system. If if yeah. if somebody wants to plant evidence that for some reason I would love to know and if I've there was read, ever a DNA yeah. uh, evidence taken from this suspect prior to his being accused of well, this crime. Well, that's the question. If, if this man had not committed a crime before, mm-hmm. um, his DNA isn't, they don't have it. Yeah. They don't have access to it. Well, that was a big thing in California when all of this stuff with the Golden State Killer happened and there was this big push to change the laws in California in the early 2000s so that if somebody got convicted of a felony in California, the state had the right to pull your DNA evidence, a blood sample, and store it in a computer system to determine if you had committed other crimes. And the other side of that argument was, hey, wait a minute. If I give you my DNA evidence, you can convict me of anything. And that was the mm-hmm. that was the mm-hmm. other side of that yeah. legal argument. And the state of California won that argument. I mean, it went all the way up to the state Supreme Court. And the state Supreme Court said, if you're convicted of a felony, you lose this much of your privacy rights. We can oh. take that information okay. to determine whether or not you've done something else. But, but there's the hole in the system. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants to take that, and I'm not accusing that of happening, of having happened in Dale County, but that's the hole. Okay. If, well, if they've Katie, got it, they can do anything with it. Yeah. Katie, do, to your knowledge, has this man been convicted of anything else where no. DNA would have been, Mm-mm. he would have had to submit DNA or anything like that? Because that's what I said. They had to pull him over to get his DNA sample here at, for this okay. crime. Like there was, mm-hmm. he, to, 
He, I think he had a, he didn't well, pay child support or something. I'm like, sorry he, for going off of that tangent, yeah. but I mean, that's just, that, that's something that I thought of it, that I mentioned, that I meant to mention earlier that we didn't get to when we were talking about the DNA stuff. But it, when you talked about this case, it reminded mm-hmm. me, Hey, that was a significant portion of what happened in California mm-hmm. and the back and forth about so what's right and what's not. Yeah. So they're going to have a, a, they've got a tough road ahead trying to prove that. I mean, obviously innocent until proven guilty. He's got, again, like I said, he's got to have his day in court. This has got to go to trial. He deserves a fair trial. He's not, you know, just convicted on this. It's got to go to trial. They can't see the jury. And the judge doesn't want to move the venue. But they're going to have to prove, you know, that's a hard road ahead is all I'm saying. And I... And yeah. a change wanna, of venue, I, I would definitely say this is going to need yeah. a change of venue. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to get say, a fair trial. Yeah, for sure. I haven't read anything that's that they're blatantly accusing this police department of mishandling right. evidence or anything. Yeah, let's not I'm just speak trying, about the police department. Yeah. I'm no, just yeah. trying to piece, like, if that's their defense that someone else did it and it was in the police department, that has to be what they're getting at. But that's, the judge is not allowed yeah. any of that evidence in because he's like, we have DNA evidence against the defendant your evidence you're trying to submit would not exonerate him. That's that's what I read. Okay. And okay. then, you know, then mm-hmm. they bring in, that's when they brought in Crumb to testify about what she knew, and that's when she goes, She lie. flaked out. And turns out she admitted that she really didn't know anything. Yes, she's like, I lied about it all. I can't recall, I can't recall. And then, and I then says, I lied. And then they, when they continued to question her after that, she said, I lied about that too. I lied about that too. Wow. Wow. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, hopefully we'll have an update. What a yes, 2023, scene. hopefully they can seat this jury and get this trial yeah. going. But, yeah, it will definitely be 2023 before that Just happens. Whatever it wow. is, let's, I'm, fingers crossed that justice is served. Whatever, it, first it, whatever of all, the details show are, we're let's, speculating about the details, but whatever it turns out to be, let's just hope that justice is served. It's ultimately. been too long. It should be. Justice I mean, should be served. And, and, and you know, Whatever that justice is, it should yeah. be uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but come on, guys, show up for jury duty. Yeah, and yeah, it's literally the least you can do, and it's um, illegal not to. It is illegal not to. That's right. Unless you get it approved by a judge, mm-hmm. the judge has to dismiss you. Yeah, you have to submit. You can submit some things online to to get out of. Mm-hmm. Shane just got called for jury duty on his birthday. He was supposed to show up for jury duty. He got out of it because no, I mean, no one's going to put him on a jury. No. Yeah, he's a defense attorney. Yeah.